Welcome to Asked and Answered, our podcast series that answers all of your missions-related questions. With me in the studio today are Ron and Karis Pierce. Welcome back, guys. Hi, Joy. Hi. Hi. So today's question is all about Israel. Um, I'm wondering what exactly it means to make Aliyah. Well, tell you what. I don't know if I said it right. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) It it basically is um, coming home or something of that nature. And um, the reason what I'm um, hesitating here is this. I knew this question was coming. I know. I kept asking you. I know. So (laughs) when I was in Israel the last time, I sat down with um, Danny and Luann Sayag, who pastor up in uh, Haifa region at Mount Carmel Assembly. And they're very good friends of ours, wonderful Operation Church, a Messianic congregation there, outreach to the um, various facets, shall we say, of Israeli society today. And that would include the Jewish people, uh, Russian-speaking folks that have come in making Aliyah. Um, also to Holocaust survivors, they got outreach to that. Um, everything that you can imagine, they're well-rounded. So I thought, I'm just going to ask them. So that's I good. sat Danny and Luann down and I gave that very question to them. And that's what I'd like to have the folks listen to right now. Okay, sounds great. Welcome, everyone. I'm on the top of Mount Carmel in Israel with Danny and Luan Sayag, who are the pastors of Mount Carmel Assembly. And it's great to have you folks here. Uh, we're going to ask a few questions and they're going to give us a few answers on the questions that you keep asking me uh, when I travel around all about Israel today. So, Danny, this spot where we're sitting right now is very significant. Um, can you tell us about it just a little bit? Yes, so so we are on Mount Carmel, the highest point uh, on the mountain. And this is the place where Elijah, many years ago, confronted the false prophets uh, of Baal and Ashtoreth. And they had a competition here on on the mountain to see who is the true God. Uh, And the God that will answer by fire is the true God. So we know that the false prophets tried to call fire from heaven. They were dancing around their altar cutting themselves and nothing was happening. And then Elijah came and he took 12 stones and it says that he repaired the altar of the Lord that was destroyed. And then he had a, a short prayer and the fire came from heaven. The fire from, of God came from heaven. And the people of Israel knew at that moment that God is the true God. So Luann, I see in the sanctuary here, a bunch of rocks up at the front. Is that the sort of symbolic recreation? Is that the way they designed the sanctuary here? That's exactly right. So we have 12 stones around uh, the Bama, which is the the Bama, the stage, stage, um, representing those 12 rocks that Elijah used. And above those 12 rocks, we also have a, like a sunlight there, which is representing the open heaven and we're waiting always for the fire of God to fall in our midst. That's amazing. That's a, that is a well-constructed building on a very famous spot. And so you must have a lot of people come here to this location, um, tours and things like that. Is that correct, Danny? Yes, yes. Uh, we, we are uh, connecting with many, many Christians around the world that uh, want to come to Israel and to, to discover their roots of faith, uh, uh, in the, even in the Jewish faith. And, uh, and they're coming here because they want to pray, they want to be part, they want to see what God is doing here in the land. So we are privileged to 
host all the time people from around the world uh, to our Shabbat service, uh, and they come to worship and pray and be with us together. And it's such a blessing. And that's kind of a fulfillment of one of the vision that it says that in Isaiah, my house it will be a house of prayer for all nations. So, so it's amazing to see it. Talking about around the world, let's um, now shift gears to the topic of this recording, and that is the whole subject of making Aliyah. Now, we hear it, we don't understand fully what's going on, but we know it means that people are coming home from various parts of the world to Israel. So can you tell our folks what that word means, or those words, making Aliyah? Yeah, so making Aliyah, the word in Hebrew, Aliyah, it's going up. So uh, when we talk about the Aliyah in the modern, uh, modern Israel, uh, Jewish people coming from different nations, uh, back to their land here in Israel, we, we have to understand it also from the biblical uh, perspective that, uh, you know, even when when the destruction of the first temple, God judged his people and sent them out to exile. And after 70 years, and we can see it in in the Daniel's prayer, that when the time came, the, the Jewish people came from Babylon, from Persia, back to their land. And that was uh, also taking place in the second destruction of the temple. But this time, God sent his people all over the world. And for 2,000 years, they were in exile. And that was, that, now it's the time where God says, this is the time to bring my people back to the land. So this is amazing to see people from every nation, Jewish people from every nation coming back to their land. And actually my parents did Aliyah and my father came from Iraq and my mother from Algeria. And if you come to the congregation, you will see, you know, many new immigrants coming from different nations. And specifically at this time, we see a major Aliyah from Russia and from Ukraine. I can see why because they, they're running uh, from the war, etc. But why are they running back here? Why don't they run somewhere else? Why don't they run to Australia? What's the reason? Yeah, I will say that some of them are actually running to, to, <laughs> to these nations because uh, they, they think it's better. I mean, financially. Life will be easier. Yeah, security. And coming to Israel, uh, you need to have certain kind of faith that Wow, this is this is our land. This is our people. Okay. This is where God wants us. Mm-hmm. So you will see many uh, new immigrants that coming, not just because of uh, of financial issue, because here it's really it's difficult, but they coming because something is burning in their heart to come back to the the land of their fathers. So God is actually drawing them. Yes. It's it's one of those biblical miracles about fulfillment of prophecy. Yes. Okay, Luann. I see that, um, just from my study, that a lot of these folks that are coming back are Russian-speaking. Um, when did this start with the Russians coming in volume? Okay, so the first Russian Aliyah, I'm talking about in the, our modern history, yes. Yes. Um, since the creation of the State of Israel, was in 1990. Started in 1990, and which was, right, that was about the time that the, the Soviet Union broke up, right. right? And so that opened the door for 
millions. How, how many came, honey? One, one million. One, came one million um, wow. came in that Aliyah, and it changed the face of Israel from that point because um, all of a sudden we also got a lot of them came to Haifa as well. So there are certain pockets of Haifa which just became very, very Russian speaking, and also it affected our congregation as well because we have a big Russian speaking population in our congregation. Wow. Now, when you say that they came in 1990 to 91, 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever the case may be, um, do you think that there's something still up there that um, in the years to come, and I know there's the war on and things like that with Ukraine, and they're leaving for that reason, but do you think that this country will have a lot more people from Russia coming in the days and weeks to come? Oh, absolutely. And they, it has already started. They have they have started coming in. Um, some of them miraculously got out um, because I think that they did not want the doctors to leave Russia. Ah. And so we had many Jewish doctors that actually got out quickly before the door shut on them at this time. Okay. And of course, there are others People who don't want to be drafted in the into the army into this war right now are are running, and so we are having currently another aliyah, and uh, and it will continue. We'll okay. get bigger. Now, listen, I've always wanted to come to Israel and live here, and uh, probably twenty or thirty generations back, I've got some Jewish blood in me. Uh, is there any sort of restrictions on the people for coming? Like, what's the the rule as to who can come back or who's called a Jew? Yeah, so, so in Israel, there is a, 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 what it's called the law of return. So if you can prove that you have a, a you know, grandfather, grandmother, or one of the sides that are Jewish, you can make Aliyah okay. and uh, you can get citizenship. But being a Jew, it's always go by the mother. So, so even if, if your mother is Gentile and your father is Jew, you're not considered Jew according to the rabbinical okay. uh, uh, way. So, but, but you can still make Aliyah okay. and get all the rights uh, and live here. Okay. So, so the ladies, again, are in the first chair and the men are in the second chair. This is, this is, this is a worldwide phenomenon, so we're not used <laughs> However, to that. However, it wasn't that way biblically, no. right? Because we see that with Ruth and Boaz... Boaz was Jewish, Ruth was not, but it went on into a Jewish lineage. Very good. I'm glad you gave clarification on that. Okay. <laughs> One more thing, and then we'll probably let this section go. Um, when, when they come back into the land, um, is it difficult for them, life and um, uh, getting a job? Um, what's the conditions like when they come? Because, listen, driving around here for the years that I've been here, it's crowded, and it's even more crowded now. And uh, it's... It, it must be a problem. Yeah, in, you know, in, in, I had a conversation with my mom recently, and when she heard that there is many uh, Jewish people coming back to the land, she said, "Where are we going to put all of them? I mean, where? I mean, we don't have enough jobs." And I, and I remember telling her, "Listen, God is bringing them. This is His problem, yeah. and and He's going to take care of them." So even when we look back on the Aliyah. Uh, in the 90s, now we see the second and third generation that totally Israelis and totally integrated in what's happening here in the land. So, but for the new ones, I mean, they need to start from 
from scratch. Yes. They need to learn the language. They need to find jobs. I mean, some of them, even doctors and, and other rocket scientists. Right? I mean, if they don't learn the language, so, you know, they will find themselves, you know, in such a, you know, works that, you know, clean the streets even. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, if you look now in, on Israel, I mean, if you drive, you will think, wow, this is amazing. I mean, we are in a good place, you know, many cars and many apartments, but the cost of living, it, it's just going up and up. And actually Tel Aviv is, is considered the most expensive city in the world. Wow. And uh, so young people, you know, really struggling. I mean, this is like a dream to to purchase a house yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Now, when they come back, these folks from all over the world making Aliyah, coming home. Now, um, does the government help them at all? And for how long? And what sort of things do they provide to help these new new people coming back? Yeah, it, it's changed through the years, but now they they what we call they get some a basket of. Uh, of different help. So they will give them for a certain time uh, help with rent and they will give them the ability to go study Hebrew, what we call in, in Ulpan. It's a, it's a special school and, uh, and they will uh, try to, to send them to learn profession if they need. Mm -hmm. So there is a help that they give, mm -hmm. but it's limited to certain yeah. times. Maybe they still get some things without um, taxes. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not that. sure. In the old days, we were able to get things without taxes. Ah, okay, okay. Now, leaving the government behind, now let's get down to you. So how do you help these folks that come in? And I'm going to include in this Holocaust survivors that came over the years and they're still here. I know they're very elderly now, but um, there's all sorts of outreaches that I know that you do. Can you just start to, Luann, spell them out and Danny throw in what other things uh, she forgets? Because I know you're doing a lot. Um, so of course, right now with this new war that started in March, Ukraine and um, Russia, we did have a sudden influx of both refugees and new immigrants. Um, come in and we took them as many as we could all in to this day we still have at least 50 and the month the number keeps changing because we keep having those leave us and then having more being replaced with so other it's people a constant flow it's a constant through. flow coming through yeah. um, we've been so blessed to be able to give um, okay, it's a five-star hotel, but we've been blessed to be able to give them a room with a, a bathroom and shower um, and, and three meals a day and, uh, and a safe place to be. We have also managed to get their children in school. So uh, that's been an amazing thing, too. Um, during this time, well, ever since during COVID also, we started um, bake, making hot meals once a week specifically to give to Holocaust survivors and other elderly and needy altogether um, around the city, believers, unbelievers, anybody. And there's a lot of needy, aren't there? And there is a lot of yeah. needy because just what Danny was saying about um, the cost of living here is is really quite daunting. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, clothes, um, any food packages, things like that? Yeah, so, so we have a center also that... Uh, uh, we try to help uh, the community here in Haifa and the surrounding. So people get uh, food baskets and clothing and any other help that they need. Because sometimes even new immigrants, when they come, 
they have difficult time to go to the offices and, and fight bureaucracy. So we have, you know, people that also helping them in, in these first steps uh, uh, in, in the land. So, so even before the refugees came, we felt that our facility also it should be helping uh, the first days, the first few months of new immigrants coming until they will find uh, their own place. So we feel that uh, not only to share with them the love of God, the love of Yeshua, but also to help them in a practical way, to show yes. them the yeah. love of Yeshua in a practical way, and, and it's really make a difference. I okay. just want to add to that, yeah. though. Yeah. Also, in this, um, when this war started, we received the bulk of these uh, refugees and new immigrants with nothing. They came in with the clothes that were on their back. And like Danny said, because we have a, a clothing center, that was easy to take care of um, as well. But uh, another thing that I think has been significant, and, and many of them have come to join us on Shabbat to worship with us. We've been having worship every day. But we've also, I think one of the biggest things was that um, we're praying with them every day if they want it and just teaching them that we have a father in heaven who is providing these things for us and for them and we have um, also stressed to them how it was the love of God working through people all over the world that gave us the money to be able for us to buy them the food and so we've really been trying to teach them the love of God and and the power of prayer. When I've been out um, on a couple of trips here, and they were you were buying them furniture and beds and tables and things like that to help them out. I remember one time when we were out there, and uh, the lady said a question, gave a question, and it was translated so I could understand it. She said, why are you doing this? And um, do you get that asked a lot? As far as like what's within you that you want to love so much in these times? And are you free to explain why you love them? Yeah, in, in Israel, there is actually a law that you, you're supposed to separate if you give something like food and clothing from uh, try to induce someone uh, Understandable. to hear the yeah. faith. So, so we, are, we are trying to be careful with that, but always... They, they initiate the conversation. Yeah. So when they ask, we feel free to share with them everything that, uh, and so, so it's very often that people will say, why you do that? Okay, so yeah. I, that wasn't just an oddity that I heard. Yeah, That's, yeah. I thought it was regular, yeah. by the way and, it sounded. And, and people see the difference because yeah. it's what we call free love. It's not, you know, there's no catch no in condition. that. No, no condition. No condition. Yeah. And uh, if they want to hear or not hear, they will receive that That's love. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And and they have, in our times talking about how God has been providing for them, you will see them with tears in their eyes. They cry. Um, they, they walk around with tears in their eyes quite a bit. Yeah. What, what really touched me was when I went into one apartment and they didn't have any bedding. And the kids were sleeping on the floor and they had a plastic sheet as their cover. And I thought, oh boy, um, that, that is sad. And yet that's something we can help with. So that's why um, Empower, uh, we come alongside to help this ministry. And we're so glad we found you. Um, you were like the answer to prayer of all time as to how to give a picture of what Jesus means to a believer in this land. And you're doing a great job. So uh, this is Mount Carmel Assembly, Danny and Luann Saig, and my name's Ron Pierce. Thanks for tuning in today.